Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. You know, I'm thinking about that. I'm actually in New York City, so what I should have done, friends, what I should have done, it says, live from New York, it's a beautiful podcast, and then we could have had like the, uh, the music and all that, but... Oh, that's another show, and I don't do that one, and it's not nearly as good uh, here. So we'll just stick with what we got, which is, hi, Spring fans. I'm really just excited to talk to you all this week. Um, I am actually in New York. I'm just I'm here for the Spring Wind Essentials live uh, sort of uh, live stream, right? So I, I joined a group of people on Tuesday, I think it was, or was it? Yeah, it was Tuesday, uh, and, we, and we watched. We kicked off the, uh, you know, in person. I held a, It's like a watch party, one of many all around the planet. There's, I don't know, dozens of them. Um, uh, where, where, you know, uh, people who wanted to watch the Spring One Essentials show uh, gathered in an office, and of course it's online, it's on the internet, you can watch it uh, from your from your own home, but if you wanted to join me um, in watching it, you could do so in the New York office, for example. So uh, I, I was here, and it was just a lot of fun, really great to hang out with so many people and kick off the uh, the, the the fun and the and the, the festivities. And there's just so much, so much cool stuff that happened. Uh, in that episode, can you hear that? That's the I'm 42 floors up, friends. 42 floors, um, and uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's it's up. It's a uh, just a lot higher than normal, and you can still hear traffic on the ground. Right, just crazy. There's some uh, imbecile ripping down the street and is a. Uh, uh, his motorcycle just causing all sorts of noise for no reason at all. But I guess that's what you get for being so near Times Square as I am right now. You know, just a lot of stuff. A lot of a lot of good stuff happening. Um, well, let's see. What else? What else? What else? What else? Friends, there's just been so much. I mean, the, the Spring One Essentials uh, show is just about done as I record this. Like, we're, it's a, it was three days of three hours of content, right? So three days each day, three hours, right? And... Uh, just an amazing experience. There's just been so, so much uh, to talk about, right? Like so much stuff um, that's been top of mind and I can't hope to even begin to to cover it all, obviously. But, uh, you know, there's, I don't even know where to start. I mean, you know about a lot of this stuff, right? If you listen to the podcast, you know a lot of, about a lot of these different things. But it was just kind of interesting. V, VMware CEO Raghu Raghuram uh, introduced the uh, you know, the scope of Spring One Essentials and connected the fantastic opportunities uh, awaiting application developers using Spring to the larger VMware mission. Then, uh, you know, James Waters, VMware Senior Vice President James Waters, took the stage to talk about the idea of building cloud-smart software and systems. Uh, Spring co-founder and uh, lead and legend Jurgen Holler took the stage in the opening day and in a subsequent uh, session uh, to talk about the exciting new opportunities for Spring Framework 6 and Spring Boot 3 developers. He looked at uh, support lifetimes for Spring release dates, you know, uh, Java release dates, uh, and, all, you know, upgraded baselines, Jakarta EE 9++ and Java 17++, and uh, uh, just a lot of cool stuff. And talked about AOT and GraalVM and project-laden um, and, uh, uh, you know, crack the checkpoint, the coordinated restore at checkpoint uh, initiative, right? Just all sorts of cool stuff there. Um, obviously, there's the there was a great discussion about uh, Spring Authorization Server with uh, with uh, Joe Granja and so on. There's a great discussion about Spring Cloud Stream with um, 
with uh, you know in messaging middleware with Glenn Renfro and Oleg Zerkuski. Uh, there's a discussion around uh, Gravium and Spring Boot with uh, Sebastian Deleuze and uh, Gravium uh, founder Thomas Wertinger. Uh, and uh, you know it's just great. I mean, just so many great huge names. Uh, uh, just one amazing announcement or revelation after another. Um, good good discussion around the Tanzu application platform, which is the uh, you know it's our uh, Kubernetes offering that gives you it gives you a uh, uh, faster golden path to production, basically based on Kubernetes. So, and that was a good good discussion with uh, Ryan Baxter, Corey Corey Berkeley, and Greg Meyer, and uh, and so and so many others. Uh, we also looked at Azure Spring apps with uh, Microsoft's Sandra Algrim uh, and 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 again Sebastian Deleuze, um, VMware. Uh, Vice President Ryan Morgan and Microsoft uh, Corporate Vice President Amanda Silver looked at Azure Spring and Apps Enterprise. I mean, just some huge names to you know to come out for uh, for this show, right? Because we, there's just so much happening, right? It was just really, really exciting. I mean, so much good stuff. So definitely check out the the the, the streams when they're available online. Uh, in the meantime, I'm sorry you missed it. You definitely missed out. It was a lot of fun, uh, but don't worry, They'll, we'll we'll put them out eventually. Uh, and this week, my friends, speaking of GraalVM, speaking of cool stuff, um, we don't have a lot of time. I have other things I need to run over and get done. So let's tarry not even one second longer. Let's just dive right into it uh, and look at today's um, uh, episode. Today's episode, uh, our guest is Alina Yurenka, who is a legend and a uh, uh, GraalVM advocate over at Oracle Labs. Uh, and uh, she has, uh, you know, Taken some time to finally uh, uh, help me understand some some things about GraalVM, and uh, I just I've been a big fan because she's out there. You know, you you have to be really 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 smart to understand the intersection of all the things that make GraalVM possible, right? And so I I'm a big fan of anybody who can do that, uh, and uh, you know she's a just it was just very busy as you can imagine. GraalVM is everywhere; it's uh, very much in demand. So I think she was actually in. Switzerland, I think she said. Uh, Switzerland, when she recorded the episode, because she was there for a conference. Um, you know, just just a, a very, very, very uh, in-demand uh, uh, advocate. And so I was just very glad to finally get her on the show. My friends, this uh, this episode is just chock full of good stuff. Just to get your notepad, and uh, and I will do the same, and we'll we'll have a listen. Enjoy, my friends, and I'll, as always, I'll see you next week. Sorry. So I know it's late there, uh, but no, I really, it's okay. It's okay. Really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, before we get started, can you tell the audience who you are so that I don't butcher it? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Alina Yurenko, and I'm a developer advocate for Grawl VM at Oracle Labs. Yeah, that's about right. So, okay, what, I, I, you're um, you're you're also at a conference right now. You're about you're about to be at. A, uh vox days is yes it is vox days ticino which is starting tomorrow i'm first time uh, at this conference so really excited and yeah yesterday i was in milano doing a jug and tomorrow i'm doing this vox days thing so the conference season is starting early for me this year good i love it that's a good sign the it used to be there there's always so much stuff to do in the in january and then and then february because you know most of europe all the conferences in europe are before summer obviously because Europe shuts down. And then there's a few of them uh, in, you know, November, December, right? 
Uh, yeah, so I feel like it's a very seasonal thing. You know, we always had this like a spring, spring season of conferences and then an autumn season, but you don't want to do it during Christmas break or summer break, right? So it's more or less a seasonal thing. Yeah, it totally is, right? And so my my experience of Europe is always in the cold months, right? Because <laughs> all these conferences are always in the months where I don't want to be there, right? Um, Come on, there is at least like, uh, what's the name? Oh my God, like uh, Java on the Beach or JBCM. Like those cannot be called. Come on. Well, but there's also Spring I.O. So Java is in Spain and Spring I.O. is in Spain. Right. That's the exception. Those are great conferences in a great country with great weather. Those are the, vac- the vacation from all the other ones that are in the freezing cold, you know. Um, you know, once I was at KubeCon in San Diego, so I guess not too far from you. And I decided that we should have all the conference, you know, near the seaside when it's nice and warm. So I think we should start a petition to make it happen because it's the best way to have conferences. Absolutely. And by the way, I'm wearing my Kubernetes t-shirt right now. Yeah, see? So we are kind of advertising Kubernetes in this podcast. Kubernetes developer, YAML developer advocate. That's that's us. Um, I I can see, you know, Bruno hearing us and not approving. Yeah, poor Bruno. Um, Yeah, okay. I'm with you. Let's let's petition to move everything uh, to the ocean. Uh, I did a, a presentation once in 2012, I think. Um, in I was at J Focus, and you're going to be there right this year. Uh, in a yep, few weeks, yep, 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 yep. I'll be there too. That'll be cool. It'll be cold, actually. Um, but I was I was at J Focus ten years ago, or twelve years ago, or eleven? No, eleven years ago now because it's 2013. Yeah. I was co-presenting with um Chris Richardson, who you probably know. He's uh and and anyway, he and I were presenting, and I the Vaden people the the team from Vaden you know the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they had invited me to come speak at one of their conferences okay but their conference was on a boat right yeah, over the lake over the ocean between Finland and Stockholm so I was in Stockholm doing mm-hmm. a three-hour workshop with Chris and then in the middle of the workshop I said Chris good luck I have to go right like I'm sorry, I got I got I got to go, I, and he knew about it, of course. But the rest of the audience was a little surprised. I then ran to the train station, which is right outside the Stockholm, right outside the 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 venue of uh, J Focus. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. So I went ran to the train station, took the train to the airport, took the plane to Helsinki, landed in Finland, took a taxi straight to the water, and then jumped on a boat. And this is a Finnish booze cruise, right? So people are drinking alcohol on this boat that goes back to Stockholm, right? So it's going back to Stockholm. And usually in the winter, if in Finland, if it's cold enough, they'll have a small boat in front of the big boat and the small boat breaks the ice, right? But this one, they didn't, it was warm enough that they didn't need the small boat. So the big boat was destroying the ice. So I'm, there's a whole crowd of people. We're giving a presentation about spring and Vaden and all this stuff. And there's a whole crowd of people. And I'm on stage giving a presentation while the boat is breaking the ice. It's hitting <laughs> ice, light ice. It was the most, you know, every, every few minutes I would have a sentence. I would say a few things and, you know, like this, like in Star Trek. And, uh, you know, so that's when you, when you say have a conference by the sea or on the sea, that's what I think of. And I'm like, mm. 
No, no, but yeah. like warm sea, warm sea. Yeah, but also, warm I, just think sea. I, I feel a challenge that I didn't have such experience. So I feel like I would be up for a challenge to speak on such a board. Yes. <laughs> I was so, I, I don't have, I don't have stage fright, but that was, in t- you know, your nerves, man. I got, I was anxious. I didn't even know I was anxious until I got off the stage. I'm like, ah. you know, it's much better when you, because you have to, you have to catch the laptop, you know, like things would jostle you know no no don't fall uh but you know not not now you cannot like be scared of anything right so after such an experience there is no scaring you on stage so uh ah i mean if somebody made me do php i'd be terrified it'd be <laughs> not good um okay anyway so you're 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 at all these good shows and uh and you work at oracle labs working on ground vm right um uh, yeah, it's, and what, it's an amazing place to be working at. I love Oracle Labs so much because we're doing a lot of R&D. So GraalVM was such a project. I think for 10 years, it was uh, in the kind of research stage. And then right. after those 10 years, we really released our first GA thing. And now we have our normal production ready releases. But it's a very interesting place to work at because we developed so many new things. It's fascinating. So I think everyone knows GraalVM, but we are doing so yeah. much more. And it's a really great org to be working at. Absolutely. So what, what, what is your, okay, first of all, let's talk about you. How did you get into like software? What what was the thing that like at some point, you know, you could have, there's two forks in the road. You could have been like a, a, a rich, successful billionaire, or you decided to work for software. Like, why <laughs> did you do software instead, you know? I like how for you, those are two opposite things, right? So you can be either a billionaire or work in software, but never both. Most people, I mean, that's like, <laughs> Yeah, most people can never get to become a rich, successful billionaire, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. so I guess I was interested in tech since I was uh, quite a little kid. I mean, okay, let's say a teenager, right? So I remember when I got my first mobile phone, and I don't know if you remember those, but those would have, you know, black and white screen, super tiny, like maybe four lines of text, and they would right. run Symbian or something like that. And even then I was trying to set up, you know, using internet on that thing and that it actually worked. I was fascinated. Like, oh my God, on this tiny thing, I can get internet to work. This was amazing to me. And then yeah. I guess as every kid, I also uh, wanted to understand how websites work. So I would look yeah. at HTML and try to see, you know, how those interactive things are happening. So that was fun. Uh, but also right before joining this job, so this is my first actual developer relations job, which I was super excited about and I still am. But before this, I used to be a community organizer. So like all those people who run jocks and conferences, right? So I used to be one of those people. And that is basically like doing DevRel in your free time. I think mm-hmm. there are quite a few things in common. Uh, so yeah, I really used to like this. So organizing meetups, organizing conferences, talking about new tech, getting to learn about some new tech from other speakers. And uh, yeah, I really wanted to transition into a DevRel uh, job. And at, yeah. at the time, also the GraalVM team was looking to extend its uh, DevRel team. So uh, yeah, we met at one of such meetups and they were looking for someone to join. And I was also in between jobs and that's how I got this job. So initially I was working with Oleg Shalai, whom I think you also know. Oleg is an yeah. amazing developer advocate. So yeah, that was a really great team to join. He was on the show as well. Um, I haven't, he hasn't been on the show since he, went to that other company atomic jar but you uh, should invite him again they're doing so many exciting things we did a video together yeah but my point is he's been on the show long you know he was working uh, at labs when i think when he joined us um okay so so great like that's that's community work is the hardest work i don't care what anybody says uh it's not mm, it's not that software is easy 
it's that software and people are significantly harder, right? Uh, and so doing doing community work to be able to both understand and then empathize with the people working on the thing that you understand is to me just always harder. Uh, and it, it requires you to wear a lot of different hats that don't fit well together, you know? Um, so that's amazing. And then to do that on your own free time, oh, it's like, uh, yeah, it's legendary. For me, it was a very rewarding kind of work to do because for me, the best part was when we would organize meetups on different topics. So we would work quite flexible and talk about different things. And still, a lot of the same people would show up no matter what the topic is because they can always learn something. But the main thing where they would show up is because the community, right? So they trusted us that we will bring some interesting content and they love the community. So they didn't even care about the topic as much because they trusted us that it will be interesting and they will get to engage with the community. So it was the best part when people appreciate what we are doing and just showing up every time. And I liked it a lot, to be honest. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. It's 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 gratifying to meet these people that are, that are like-minded as well you know yeah that uh you know you can when if if i go to a java user group and there's you know 50 people or whatever uh, 100 people there and it's seven o'clock at night and they could be home with their partners or their kids or their family or even just by themselves like doing something fun right they could do anything but they chose to skip dinner and come hang out with other people and talk about software you know those are the kind of people I want to hang out with. Those are really cool people. You know, those are people I want to talk to because they're, they've got something in their heads, you know, that's uh, interesting that drives them, you know? Absolutely. And this is what happened to me yesterday. So yesterday I was speaking at Milano Jack and I was speaking like for over an hour and then answering questions, I think for another half an hour. So we finished at about, I would say 9 PM and I would, I said the same thing to the organizer. This is crazy. Like this is so late at night, and all those people are still here and talking and hanging around and asking questions. This is really amazing. Right? Yeah. Exactly. You don't you don't often get uh, that kind of like social interaction. You know? Yeah, I love it when people stay late as well. That's a, that's so rare. You know? It's, uh... Okay. I want to give you a heads up that your sound changed significantly. It's okay, but just so you're aware, your, your yeah. sound changed quite a bit. So. But can you hear me now? I can hear you, but it got okay. different. Okay. Yeah. I just put on my headsets. That way I can walk to my refrigerator and uh, my refrigerator and get water. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So tell me about GraalVM. What, like, can you explain uh, at a high level, like what it is and uh, what its genesis is and all that kind of stuff? It's a good question, but also it's a very challenging one because GraalVM is so big and it's a huge project and trying to explain it in one thing, it's always a challenge, but I will give it a try. Uh, so let's say we're talking about this from a Java developer's perspective, and there are three key things that you need to know about GraalVM. So one is GraalVM is a full-blown JDK, so you can use it to run your Java applications as you normally would on a JVM, and you would get all the same tooling, all the same libraries and IDs that you love. And the only difference will be that we will replace the CU2 compiler with the GraalVM compiler. So that is one big part of the project where you would use GraalVM as your normal JDK. Now, so that's a, a replacement just-in-time compiler? Like instead of a hotspot, you use GraalVM? So instead of C2 in hotspot, you would use GraalVM, right? So we are only right. replacing okay. the top-tier compiler. Everything else stays the same. So C1, all the rest, it's all in place. You can very easily just take your existing app, run it on GraalVM as you would previously run on OpenJDK or whatever is the JDK of your choice, and it will all right. work out of the box. So that's pretty easy. Can I uh, use that with like Azul or something? I mean, 
you should totally be able to, right? So, uh, yeah, if that's a normal Java app, you can totally just get so it cool. and run on Crawl VM. Yep. So is it, that is is the yeah. me- is is the mechanism that allows me to swap out my just in time compiler. Is that like part of the spec for a valid Java release, or is that just an open JDK feature? So that's thing in the hotspot VM itself. And uh, the way this is working is there is this thing called JVMCI, so JVM Compiler Interface, yeah. and that is the interface through which you can plug in external compiler. And I think at the moment, VM, I'm pretty sure, is the only external compiler that you can plug in this way, right? So right. JVM itself has an interface to plug in something external, and that's how it works, right? So all stays the same. We just plug in another compiler into it. But what I'm wondering is, is JMC, is JVMCI, uh, like a standard? Like basically, if I, if I built a brand new JVM by myself mm-hmm. in a small room and I didn't look at any other source code, in order for me to get a license to call it Java, would I also have to provide JVMCI compatibility? Honestly, right. I don't, no, no. I'm that, no, I'm no expert to comment on a license, but that's a thing that is, that exists in, no. uh, open, open JDK as well, right? So it's not something invented by right. OVM. So this is something you get in open JDK as well. So I would assume it's part of a spec, right. but to be honest, not an expert to say for sure. And it doesn't really matter because even if it's not part of the spec, most distributions are open JDK as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Almost all of them. I, I, I think even Azul has some open JDK bits in there. So. You know, um, anyway, just anyway, carry on. I'm sorry. This is super interesting. You can plug in different parts of the the engine like that. That's magic. I love the JVM. I mean, that that's pretty interesting. And since you're mentioning magic, another magical thing about it is that this compiler is written itself in Java. So that's quite interesting. Right. So all of the compiler is written in Java. And uh, typically, I think things like this, so low-level kind of things would be written in languages like C or C++, so for the best performance, I guess. But the GraalVM compiler is written itself in Java. So that's pretty cool. So if you're a Java developer, you can just go to our GitHub, look at our sources, and that should be pretty clear for you what's going on in there. I, my understanding was that one of the reasons that it was written in Java is because the original one was a lot of very hard to understand, untangled C++ code. Um, and it became hard to make changes without being scared of the the ramifications. You know, it's hard to refactor such I mean, a large C++ code base. I mean, I guess we can all agree, right, that Java has some great tooling uh, that we all love, oh, yeah. and it makes you know working with the language and the platform so much more easy and pleasant, and makes right. working on such a project way, way more maintainable, right? So I think that's one right. of the great things about GraalVM. And I and I know. Uh, that do you, uh, yeah, Chris Tallinger from uh, he used to be at Twitter. Um, he was on the when show I was, as when well. I was talking about JVMCI. I was I was thinking about Chris as well because he used to talk about this quite a bit. <laughs> quite a bit, exactly. And he he was on the show as well years ago. I think 2018 or 2019, um, talking about just this part, the C2 uh, just in time replacement part, right? Uh, and yeah. and the work that they were doing over Twitter and basically. It's just an amazing, you're right. It's written in Java, but it's also faster than the C code, the C++ code. The engine is more performant as a just-in-time compiler than the equivalent C++ engine, uh, despite the fact that the Java one is brand new. You know, it's only been around for the last 10 years or whatever. Um, you know. Yeah, but also I think it's because amazing. maybe it's brand new, right? Because all this research right. that I mentioned at the beginning, right? It went into developing, like, in developing and implementing new optimizations in Grow VM, right? So that's why we need all right. this time to make sure we can make it really fast. 
Yeah, but that's, Chris that's did point. some. Yeah. But Chris did some great work talking about RollVM. I was in several of his talks, and it was always very interesting and educational. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of great people worked on this RollVM thing. Um, okay. So that's so that's the original. That was the original. I think use case for RollVM. Is that is that not true? If I said RollVM to somebody ten years ago or eight years ago, they wouldn't be talking about the native image capability. They would be talking about the just-in-time compiler. I, think. I mean, I joined the team way later on, so it's hard for me to say if that's the case or not. But I think the native image part and the VM that is in native image, so subset VM, this has also been developed yeah. for quite a few years as well. So it's hard oh, for me yeah. to say where the thing started. I think they did start with the GraalVM compiler, but the native image part, that is also uh, quite old, I would say. Right. And then GraalVM also has Truffle, uh, Truffle yes. VM or whatever you which is, yeah. can you, what is that? Is that what you're going to talk about next? Uh, yeah, let's maybe briefly talk about Truffle and then we can talk about native image because I think that is where we will spend most time on. And also I can say that you're very excited when I mention native image. Yeah. So yeah, that will be the fun part. But yeah, Truffle, that is our language implementation framework. So uh, that is the way you can implement your own language on VM. Like you can implement your beloved PHP to run on GraalVM, but also yeah. that is the way how we implemented all those other languages. So as you probably know, we can also run Python, we can run JavaScript, even LLVM, because we can run on GraalVM. And uh, the way we implemented all those languages is by using Truffle. So we have this one language implementation framework and they all run on GraalVM. So that's the way we implemented languages. And that is also the way our community implemented something like, I don't know, 20 more languages on top of GraalVM as kind of experimental research projects. So that is basically the way to bring new languages on the GraalVM platform. And then GraalVM as a platform will give them all performance, will take care of those language interop and language calls across language boundaries and will give you tooling to work with such a polyglot program. Yeah. I, and I, I remember um, Oleg, about, about whom we just spoke, he did a, a very interesting blog several years ago looking at using R functions from a Spring Boot application running on Truffle and uh, on GraalVM, you know, which is like, what? You can inject an R function because it, these languages can see each other. They're all in the same virtual machine. Yeah. I can run Python and Ruby and Java in the same code space, and they can all in, they can all call each other and interrupt with each other and and all that. It's like the .NET CLR kind of. Um, I thought that was super interesting. The, the truffles, and by the way, I hadn't really gotten a chance to to play with it up until recently. Um, so you did try over it the holiday break. I did. Oh yeah, because I it's amazing. Over the holiday break, I was trying to figure out how to turn Ruby source code into a native image. Mm. Oh, that sounds um, like fun. Yeah, it was not great. Uh, like, JRuby is an amazing piece of technology, obviously. It's a fantastic. But, but I couldn't, there was no easy way to turn it into GraalVM native images because it's a full-blown language, right? You you need a lot more support from the language itself. Yeah, and I thought, well, maybe also... the yeah, you know, the native, native image, it works on the Java bytecode level. So if you want to compile right. something to native, like the base application has to be in Java because that is your input to native right. image. And then like, I'm not sure about Ruby, Ruby, but I guess it's the same thing. So if you want to execute something like JavaScript or Python in your native image, you can. So you can kind of embed that into native image, only yeah. we would not IoT compile it. It will still have to be dynamically executed at runtime. So we would not right. IoT compile it. Yeah. So I couldn't quite get it working. And 
So then I, th- I thought, well, maybe truffle will be better, truffle ruby. Uh, and uh, I didn't, I couldn't quite make that work either, but I was really impressed by all my experiments afterwards. I thought, well, this is a dead end for me for now until mm-hmm. something, but I, I finally got to play with truffle and yeah, you can just create an object. You just, you just can literally create an instance of Ruby or of the language of your choice and then pass yep. in strings and it'll evaluate them for you. It'll actually start the program. Yeah. Phenomenal. Just a really, really convenient, like there's a lot, that means that everything, all this cool stuff from Python and Ruby and, uh, and all these other languages, I can just link to them. I can r- use them from my spring app. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, I'm, yeah. and I'm glad that you're so excited about Polyglot because I'm also very excited about this part of GraalVM because, you know, sometimes people yeah. will say that, okay, it's nice and it's very researchy and, you know, bleeding edge tech, but this is not something practical. But I do not agree because I saw this a lot happening in practice where people would use GraalVM specifically for Polyglot. And I like this example. So since you mentioned R, this what came to my mind is that I think it was Dutch National Police who did this. So they had, there are like... Wow application developers working with obviously Spring, but they also had some data science people and they would obviously prefer working with R. And the way to bridge right. those two things together would be running on GraalVM. And this way, each team can keep working with their favorite language, tools, ecosystem, everything they know. And this is how you would bridge right. those things together. So nobody said that you need to write, you know, one big polyglot app using all this crazy mix of languages, even though you can, right? But for a use case like this, where you have people who specialize in different languages, this is a really nice way to give them a way to work together. Absolutely. And I, what I, what, so I should, I should clarify, earlier I was talking about embedding Ruby in my Java app. The other mm-hmm. thing that is amazing is, is Truffle Ruby, for example, had its own Ruby binary, which right. in turn called like na- Truffle. Native Ruby. launcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It, so it feels just like a, a distribution of Ruby, yep. right? It, it's not. Obviously, it's a very different. It's not the same as the core distribution because it's, you know, Truffle. But that works. And I, I assume it's the same for the R and Python and other implementations. It feels just like using the regular thing, right? JavaScript. There's a JavaScript, Truffle JavaScript, you know. Uh, um, GS, but yeah, I mean, that's the goal, right? So make all other yeah. language implementations, uh, behave as exactly you would expect them. So as the standard yeah. implementation would be, right? That's amazing. It, 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 it's, it's phenomenal. So you don't even know if you're not like deep, if you're not like going through the folders in the distribution, you wouldn't even know that it's running on top of a JVM instead of, a, instead of the, uh, core Ruby, whatever. So it, it just works really, really, yeah, amazing, amazing. I can't wait to try that out. And there's a lot of stuff. Uh, 20 years ago, a friend of mine and I, uh, uh, he's a person I, with whom I'm still friends, he and I were working together and uh, this is before, when was this? 20 years ago. So 2002 uh, or 2000, I guess it was 21 years ago. Um, yeah. This this is before Java. When did Java 1.4 come out? Uh, Java 1.4. Let's see here. I just want to see Java 1.4 came out in 2012. Okay, so we didn't have access to Java 1.4. Java mm-hmm. 1.4 released regular expression support, right? So there's no good regular expression support in Java. So back then there was a, a third-party package. It wasn't Apache. It was um Oh, I can see his face. He he wrote <laughs> articles and he wrote articles in Dr. Dobbs. He was brilliant. Um Dr. Dobbs journal. But uh, anyway, I was trying to get regular expressions in my Java program. And I, and I just like, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't, there's no way to do it. Right. This isn't working with the expression I need to write is crazier than I can get to work on the other one. 
Um, and so my friend, genius, uh, he said he had this disgusting idea, just revolting. He said, we'll just use Pearl. Oh, wow. We'll just use, we'll, we'll, we'll just shell out, right? We'll invoke Pearl from Java and evaluate the, the response because it's fast. It's not like a, and, and it wasn't done all the time. It was for like a batch job that ran in the background. So it didn't matter if it took an extra few milliseconds, you know, uh, to start up the language, get a response and then keep it. And it worked and it was disgusting, but it worked. And it was such a, like a, I always thought about that. I think about that a lot. Like if you're willing to learn other languages, it doesn't mean you have to use that language hundred percent. It just means that you can link to it and treat it like a library. Right. Like, and so we, that's what we did. We used pearls or regular expression capabilities in Java, you know? Uh, and you know, now I, I felt like that. I felt like that when I was watching, when I was building this code with, uh, to embed Ruby, I'm like, this is kind of gross. But on the other hand, like I could do some stuff with this, you know, gross gets me to production. I, that's, that's amazing. But Hey, you get access to all those other languages and other yeah. languages, you know, packages and ecosystem. This is pretty fascinating. That's a, that's super re- re- fascinating. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say is like, I, I could see use cases. There are things that I would like to use uh, in other languages that, you know, to, to make my life better in, in the Java world. And I can't think of anything right now, but it seems like all the time I'm like, oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do I that. I mean, I mean, Java, Java has an amazing mature ecosystem. So obviously, yeah, you probably have everything you need. But in general, I think it's nice to be able to, you know, just have more freedom, more flexibility and use yeah. whatever. Totally. I mean, the machine learning stuff, you know, for data science in Python, uh, you know, some of that requires C extensions and that might be a little, a little different, but. You know. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. But still, like a lot of that is just, uh, sure. Yeah. Amazing. Um, okay, so Truffle, I'm a big fan. The Polyglot VM, I'm a huge fan. Like, uh, I, I was a big fan conceptually before, but now I'm actually having been a user. I'm a, a yeah, hands on, hands on, yeah, hands on, really. Uh, okay, so what else? So GraalVM is uh, the gift that keeps on giving. Um, oh, by the way, native for people image. who want to use it, native image is that the last piece? Is that the big one? Is there anything else yeah, besides that? Last but not least, yeah. I think no, certainly. That's got to be it, yeah. I think that's got to be native image. Let's talk about it. Okay. And by the way, for people who are wondering, GraalVM is like you just said. You, you've already mentioned it. It's an open JDK distribution. You can just do SDK install. I mean, not just open JDK, but yeah, it is a, a full-blown valid JDK distribution that you can use as you would use any other JDK distribution. Yeah, that's all I was trying to say is you can download it and, and deploy yeah. it. Just like you don't have to add these things to an existing. You could, I guess, but... You can just and do you SDK do not install. Need, yeah, and you do not need to do anything to your app to make it, you know, run on GraalVM. It would just run on, out of the box. So that's pretty right. cool. Right. Okay. So now this native image thing. Ta-da. Totally different, right? What is that? Yeah. Uh, so native image is this uh, technology that will allow you to take your Java app and compile it ahead of time into a native executable that is platform specific. So this is rather new for Java, right? But the reason right. why you would do such a thing is that it will start really fast and it will use very little memory. So that's why you need this compilation to native. Okay. And the way that it does this is kind of interesting, right? Oh, it's that um, interesting. Yeah. What is this static analysis that it does? Yeah. So the thing with native image is that since it will compile the Java application ahead of time, everything needs to be known at the image build time, right? Because it will need to analyze the whole application. So everything needs to be known at that particular point in time. And this mm-hmm. is done for the, uh, just so you can compile the application ahead of time. And then you can start it really fast because all this heavy lifting, we are moving it to the image build time. 
So a lot of applications are started way more often than they are built. So the idea here is to build it once and then you can start it really fast every single time when you need because you kind of already did this whole uh, thing at the image build step. Ah, okay. So that I just what you just described is a perfect way to describe it. You're and 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 more recently, um, very recently. I mean, I know the GraalVM team have talked about it in the way that you just talked about it for a long time, for many years. Basically, you're moving uh, the 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 delays to build time, so that way at runtime it's faster. Okay, now. And also it takes a smaller memory footprint, which is very useful as well, right? So you're spending a lot of RAM at compile time so that you don't have to spend RAM at runtime, right? Um, I mean, there, you always need to do this job, right? So all this, yeah. I don't know, loading classes, interpreting, compiling, the things you would do at startup in JIT mode, right? We would do the right. same things at the, build, at the build step. So the way we'll do this is we'll analyze your application starting from its main entry point, and we will try to find all the reachable code. So all the code that is actually necessary for your application to work and to perform whatever it needs to perform, we will try to find all that code, and only that code we will include in this native executable. So we want to make it very slim and lightweight. We would eliminate everything you are not using and make sure that you have in your produced file everything that you need for your application. And since also we no longer need this whole infrastructure to interpret and compile code, it could be quite lightweight because it's fully working on its own. So you do not need to have a JVM on the machine where you will deploy your native executable. That's awesome. So so what you're doing, again, that... The idea that you're just moving computation time around, right? I I like that a lot. It's very intuitive to understand. I just recently started hearing them talk about this, uh, and uh, right after the big Java one announcement last year, right? Uh, the right. announcement that uh, GraalVM would be Oracle Labs would donate to OpenJDK, the the open right. source community edition of GraalVM. What about that? What's what does that mean for the users? Yes, so we made this announcement and uh, this announcement and a lot of details uh, will be announced still uh, in the future. So we need to work on something still. But what we announced is that yes, uh, Java parts of DrawVM Community Edition will become part of OpenJDK. Uh, and along with that, we will also align more closely with OpenJDK in terms of development process and releases and all this kind of things. So we used to have releases four times a year, feature releases, I mean. So uh, when we would uh, uh, ship new features, that would happen four times a year, so every three months. Uh, now, since Java has the six-month release schedule, we will also have something like that for GraalVM. So we will have feature releases uh, two times a year, so every six months as well. So we are aligning more and more closely with the JDK development process and release schedule. Does that mean that when Java whatever, 21 comes out or 22 or whatever, does that mean that whenever the next version of OpenJDK Java comes out, there will be equivalent support for AOT in GraalVM? Day of, or do we have to wait still? I mean, that are still some things in the works, but if you have been following okay. our releases lately, we pretty much have been trying to do the exact same thing. So since I think yeah. one year ago, we picked up the pace of releasing GraalVM builds really close or on the same day, basically, of the JDK release date. Right. 
So whenever new JDKs release will come up, we will always have GraalVM builds available as well. So if you wanted right. to try latest JDK features, but also have access to what GraalVM gives you, typically we would also have a GraalVM build available on the same JDK date. And I think it's a great thing for the community because you get to use all the latest JDK features that I just became available, but with GraalVM capabilities as well. Ah, that's super cool. So I, because I, I remember a few years ago, it used to be, there could be weeks sometimes between, you know, the, the GraalVM native image support and the open JDK release. So if that gets, I mean, same, our, same, our, that'd be great. our release, our release schedule changed a few times. So, uh, yeah, we were still yeah. trying to find our pace, but I think it's also like we, we have our own stuff that we add on top of JVM. So we, sometimes we don't need that yeah. like extra week, for example, to incorporate everything, run all of our tests, produce other builds. So, uh, I think typical gap for us was about a week between the release of OpenGDK yeah. and then when GraalVM would come out because we are adding some stuff. So we want to make sure everything works correctly. Awesome. So what does this OpenJDK donation mean? Will, will OpenJDK ship with GraalVM binaries or will it just be still two projects that are released separately or what? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure I can share much more at this oh, point than I shared in the okay. announcement, but, uh, I think you can expect some news in the next maybe few months. So yeah, just keep, uh, stay tuned. That is probably, I think, everything I can say at this point. Oh. Awesome. Um, what about, well, okay. I don't know if you can't, if you, if you can't say anything, great, but what, what is this? What I saw finally after the Java one announcement magically. And surprisingly, and uh, not surprisingly, uh, Project Layden started talking about GraalVM, right? The people right. working on one thing started talking about the other thing. Because before, I remember Project Layden was, they always talked about some sort of magical AOT capability, but there's no ever, never mentioning GraalVM. It was never like there. Let me see if that's true. Hold on. Project Layden. No, no, but I think they, sure. they said they said that they will explore, you know, different capabilities of producing those uh, static uh, versions of Java applications, right? That they will try and explore all the different capabilities of the entire spectrum and see what works best for Java applications. I think that was the plan. Right. Yeah, exactly. But they, hold on, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just drawing inferences and uh, and I'm crazy and that's possible and I'm I don't want to be, uh, let me see. Hold on. Let me just Google this. That I will way, let you, I will let you validate where, whether you're crazy or not. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they don't, uh, let's see. Selectively shifting. Do, 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 do. Yes. Okay. So, um, uh, on openjdk.org, Mark Reynolds on 20, in, in October 13th, 2022, he talks about this, shifting and constraining computation very much the same language as what you just used where you move computation earlier mm-hmm. in the process and then and therefore save on having to do that later right uh and he talks about here um wait wait wait, wait hold on he talks about he says whether project uh performance is an emergent property blah 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 whether in project laden itself we can go so far as to implement fully static exec- executables remains to be seen Period. We can, however, enable other Java implementations, e.g., some future versions of the GraalVM native image tool, to do so. Right. So now there's like this. It's it's. I mean, I know they knew about GraalVM, but this is the first time I remember seeing people working on Project Laden actually acknowledge that GraalVM existed. Um, 
and it's really good news, right? I, that means that there's, I'm hoping there's some sort of collaboration there. It would make sense, right? It, it, it would be very nice, but yeah, don't say anything. Just for me, yeah, that's yeah, but the, a, the, 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 way, the way I remember, the way, the way I remember communication about this is that they will uh, explore, you know, all the different capabilities and possibilities and what is possible mm-hmm. to do in the Java space uh to produce those static executables because obviously Graalvium native image is quite a revolutionary thing. So maybe Huge. there are other ways to do so. But mm-hmm. uh yeah, I think that's that was the plan or the idea for Project Laden, at least the way I remember it. But yep. yeah, I no, think, that sounds right. I think, yeah, I think native image took a great approach to do so well innovative and revolutionary but i think uh the way to see that it's working is the adoption in the community right so we see a lot of mm-hmm. teams and all basically all major java frameworks adopting all vm image so i think that's a good yep. sign that what we are doing is probably right and has some traction and potential for the future absolutely i mean the the project laden thing is kind of interesting they they suggest that there is a possibility to have <clears throat> different, you know, progressively more demanding condensers and uh, what's it, constrainers or whatever. Sometimes there's another word. Mm-hmm. The cond- condensers, basically, to to op- to move computation to different points, to move different computations to different points in the life cycle of the application, right? Uh, and so you could opt in. So there might be a condenser that gives you one faster startup time, but it's not a very big difference, right? It could be a small one, but it's just a, it's a small thing around, okay, if you use this one little feature, maybe we can make that slightly faster by making it lazy. Okay, whatever. Or maybe there's another condenser that does another thing that's slightly more aggressive, right? It, and, uh, and so it might change the semantics, but you can add it or not add it, right? Um, uh, and then you could go all the way to the very end of the line, which is you have to write all this configuration and and all that, but you can use something as amazing as Gravium native image, which is like as fast and as prefer- as it, as efficient as it gets, but it requires the most work from the user, right? In theory. Um, I mean, we're also working like to make. Yeah, we're also working to make it less work for the user. But yeah, I understand what you're saying that it is a spectrum yeah. indeed, but also as pretty much everything in software engineering, I think it's a trade off, right? Oh, so uh, of course, oh yeah, totally. They even say that in, this, in, in the, 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 the document, which is users can still run their program as, as is, but if they want to take advantage of all these new extra condensers right. that offer progressively more benefits, then they should be prepared to make pro- progressively more, to do more uh, to support that, right? And at the end of the spectrum, you know, I th- so I think GraalVM is kind of like the most demanding, but as you just said, all the major frameworks do most of the work for that for now, right? So you don't really, most users won't have to deal with it. And, you know, having teaching Spring, as you know, we've worked really hard with the GraalVM team for the last four or five years to make Spring fully aware of native images. Uh, teaching Spring to do that, it, now we have this meta programming model that note that we can use to capture this data that would be required to support this. So whether it's GraalVM or something slightly less demanding, we're in, 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 as another condenser, uh, you know, Spring, I think, is in a good place, you know, because uh, we have this engine now that works with GraalVM native images and maybe right. even less. Uh, so, yeah, really, it was worth doing. Totally worth doing it, right? Totally and now we also have a, G- a GA Spring release that works with native image, right? So that is pretty exciting. And this is something that, like, me oh. personally, I've been waiting for this for a very long time, right? So I think me, this is amazing me, news. 
You and me both, sister. Oh my god, I've been waiting for that. <laughs> and not just us, ma- many people, many yeah. people I assume. Yeah. So yeah, the time has come. So exciting. Um and, and you know, spring has done uh, a ton of work, but the Gravium team uh has done just as much, right? They've uh worked with us, you know, closely for uh years now, years and years. I can't believe how uh amazing a partner they've been in this process, just helping us and responding to requests for, you know improvements here and there. And I just, I keep telling people about this because it is, it is a testament to how good the spring engineering has gotten on this work, but also how good the Gravium project is, right. And how, how receptive they are. Um, When I first started showing people Gravium in March of 2020, Mm -hmm. which, you know, famously nothing else happened that month, nothing at all. Uh, when I, when I first started showing people uh, Spring Native, which is what the project we had before, right. uh, uh, you know, I was, we're on lockdown, right? We, they had just announced lockdowns. And I'll never forget, I was doing this video, my first video looking at Spring Native, and it was just like a regular web app in JPA. It yeah. took 10 minutes, 10 minutes to compile this on Gravium. And, and, and obviously Spring was, we were not very efficient at that point. Right? This is three years ago. Um, it was not very efficient, but still, between the inefficiencies of Spring and the LVM inefficiencies back at back then, compared to now, where I can do a, that same build with more features and more dynamic capabilities, and it takes less than a minute, you know, uh, amazing engineering work, just amazing, completely amazing from the LVM team and from the Spring team, uh, just you know, an amazing uh, re- result uh, for everybody. It really is. Really and I've been following next. also, yeah, I've been following this collaboration project for a while as well. And I also remember it being Spring Native. And I sometimes still, still call it Spring Native, right? So because it was a thing for a couple of years. But yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. amazing what we did over those years in terms of, uh, you know, collaborating, but also improving the developer experience. So exactly the things you mentioned, like yep. build time and build process and what is happening and giving hints to the user and improving the overall experience. This has been a lot of work and I think we are in a very good place yeah. right now. So you can compile your app pretty fast. And if something goes wrong, you Super pretty fast. much understand what's wrong. So, uh, yeah, I think we've been focusing on this quite a bit in the past. So improving developer experience. Uh, I yeah. know we made the base distribution smaller. We made the build times faster. So, uh, we really care about developer experience and we plan to improve it even further in the future. I can't wait to see. You know, they always say, make it right, then make it fast. So Gravium has been correct. It's right, you know. It, it works. And now it's even faster, you know. It's crazy fast. So amazing piece of tech. Okay, so that I was just talking about all the configuration, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, just, you just mentioned it, right? Uh, at runtime, Java can do a lot of dynamic things that a static compiler can't see, right? Because it's Turing-complete. It's an NP-complete kind of problem, right? I can't deterministically see at compile time everything that my program could do at runtime. Um, right. So that's not a fault of GraalVM. That's just a that's just the way the language was designed. Java was designed to have this dynamic capability that makes it hard for compilers to see and optimize every single thing that you might do. Yeah, so but I guess it's also, these, uh... it's, it's also a trade-off, right? And uh, if sure. you want to do things, you know, at build time, obviously you need to know what will happen at runtime, right? Because there is no 100%. magic way to see that what will happen at runtime. Right. 
And other languages like C and C++, they solve this problem by not having a runtime, which simplifies things dramatically, but it also makes it much, much less dynamic and fun, you know? Um, so yeah, it's a it's an amazing compromise, right? What, what Gravium has is this very tiny config file uh, that you have to use to specify, you know, things that Reflection. might happen at runtime. Serialization, proxies, JNI, resources, all the stuff that could happen at runtime that you cannot see at compile time, right? Um, so that's reasonable. Yeah. Seems super reasonable. Yeah, but also we understand that maybe this is not ideal, so we are trying to simplify it even further. So one thing you can do is oh. native, native image comes with this tracing agent that can observe your application behavior on a JVM. And it can produce that configuration for you. So we still okay. recommend that you, you know, kind of check uh, and make sure it's complete, but it will give uh, you a lot of help in a way that it will, you know, do this kind of manual work for you. So that is one thing you can do. And also, I don't know if you've seen so far our Grow VM reachability metadata repository. So oh, yeah. uh, that is, yeah, like a centralized place where our community can contribute, but also pull from configuration for many popular libraries. And I think that's a really great way. So again, because maybe somebody already contributed that configuration and they have figured it out. So why not just pull it rather than trying to figure it out on your own, right? So I think this centralized right. place will also be very helpful to try and help help people resolve those uh, configuration challenges so you don't need to do this manually again. And it's a pretty new thing. I like it a lot because it's a community project. So we see a lot of people contributing from Spring Boot team as well, right? And uh, it's also integrated very nicely with our native build tools. So our Maven and Gradle plugin, there is a way to tell the plugin to kind of automatically discover this config. So you don't even need to say that I'm, I'm planning to use the database or whatever. You're just saying, hey, enable the access to the repo and the build plugins will go and pull config from this repo. So I think this is pretty cool as well. Me too. I'm a big fan. Last I, last I checked, well, I mean, first of all, there's there's a there's different degrees of support, right? I think we can both agree the best way to support your library is to ship the config in the library. Right? Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. This is also something we always recommend. Yeah. Right. So we want, and this is for static configuration, right? There's two kinds of like, um, so let's say you're building Netty or Tomcat or mm-hmm. SLF or J or whatever. Okay. These libraries don't do they don't work with your code. Your code works with it, right? They are libraries, not frameworks, right? Um, and so, though, especially when you use them in an embedded capacity, like embedded Tomcat or whatever. And so mm-hmm. in this case, it, it will not do different things based on the types in your code. And therefore, all the dynamic things that it does, you can be sure about from one run to another, from one build and run uh, to another. Um, so for example... If I have a library that reflects on this one type and I always reflect on that one type, I can capture that using the Java tracing agent and then save the files into my library and I can deploy a version of that library. Now, when somebody links that library in their code, GraalVM will automatically pick up the JSON config and it'll use it to build the image. Okay, right. If that library, for whatever reason, maybe they just haven't had the time yet or they're they're not sure yet or whatever. You know, I mean, lots of lots of projects, lots of open source projects want to support Gravium config. Um, and they're they seem interested, they just don't have the resources. It's a volunteer, right? Lots of open source projects are volunteer, and it's not easy to make this jump, at least first, right? It seems easy now for you and me, but 
I remember looking at it, looking at it from the outside going, mm, this might take a couple of days. I need some, I need to schedule this for later, you know? Uh, but it's okay. The, the next step is if that library cannot ship the config files, the JSON config files in the library, then we have this observability, this reachability repository, right? This, uh, right. this repository, and that's a community effort, like you said, open source. Uh, I think last I checked, the Spring team is the number one contributor of the third party contributors, you know, like it, we, we have worked a lot on that. Um, and, so that that repository has config, it has JSON config files, but it's not necessarily from the projects. It's like like maybe I'm using a third party library, like a, let's say whatever. Maybe I'm using Apache Commons or something. I don't know something like that, right? From and and it's an old release and nobody is maintaining that. You know, I don't know. That's not a good example. Just pick something from a long time ago that needs updates, or pick something that's you know, updated, but it's just one person with very little time, you know? Right. right? Uh, so in this case, this repository can serve as an index for all builds, even though it doesn't get distributed with that library, right? Um, and by the way, for users listening, the Spring Boot setup, if you use the Spring Boot build in Maven or Gradle, it automatically enables the reachability repository. So, so that's good. So we've contributed a lot to that because... Yeah, why wouldn't we? We want our we want these third party libraries to have config. The only issue that so the Java chasing agent makes it so that for static libraries where you're not doing dynamic, where the classes involved aren't changing, then either shipping the JSON config in the library or shipping it in the reachability repository is enough, right? So what does Spring Boot have to do? Why why does it care? Well, it cares because. Spring works with your code and your code is different than other people's code. And so the reflection that Spring must do on your classes is different than the reflection that Spring must do for somebody else's classes, right? And so this, this configuration is different. You can't just put that JSON config, JSON config file in the Spring jars and ship that because it doesn't know about your code or somebody else's code. So we have this mechanism at build time to dynamically compute that configuration for you, right? Uh, and I and I gather I I expect that's what the other frameworks are doing as well is some sort of comp, dynamic computation of config. Is that true? I cannot say for sure, but what you are saying, yeah, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, that's the last like line, right? Uh, that so m- if the first two things are there, then there's very little for Spring to do, right? Spring doesn't have to do much at all. It just has to contribute. It has to dynamically contribute configuration for the places where it creates proxies and reflectively, in, 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 you know, it reflects over your types and all that. Um, yeah. And, and so as we go forward in time and more people contribute to that, the work that spring has to do becomes less and less and less and less. You know? uh, right. So how's that? The, right now I see a lot of projects have already moved to add support for GraalVM, but not everything, <laughs> you know, it, it'll take a yeah, while for everything to it- do that. I guess it takes time. And as you said, right, so a lot of projects are open source and I can totally relate mm-hmm. because GraalVM is also an open source project. So obviously we totally. have a uh, backend from Oracle, right? But I can totally relate to how open source projects have a lot of work to be done and they cannot done, mm-hmm. do everything at one time. So uh, yeah, I think it eventually will uh, uh, come around, but yeah, probably just need some more time. But also, I don't know, I see lately a lot of adoption for GraalVM, especially in the last year. So yeah, I'm sure this will happen in the near future. 
Absolutely. Uh, very, 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 like, I'm sure most of the community will be there in the next 12 months or a couple of years. Uh, but there will always be these little, you know, what's I can't even think of a good example because what's a library that's very popular where only one or two people work on it and they only work on it a few times a year because it's it just works and they don't, unless there's a CVE or something, they don't need to really do much to it, right? Um, there's lots of these, right? Lots of libraries where it's just like- A lot, a lot, yeah. Yeah, a lot of them, right? Like Log4j a few years ago, right? Log4j, we've, we discovered that, yeah, there's- It's not a lot of people working on it. It it just works. Yeah. It works very well. You know, it's a rich, mature technology that has been developed very well for many years, but it's not actively being maintained because why would it be, you know, um, unless there's a CVE or something. So maybe that, maybe Log4j needs to ship configuration or something, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, anyway, so Graviem, um, that's the worst part of it is that config file thing. And what I'm trying to say is for most people, you shouldn't even notice that. Right, because a lot of libraries are shipping config, or we have the reachability repository, or you're using a framework that computes it for you, like Spring, Spring Boot. Or, you know? or you are using the tracing agent. So there are a lot of you know ways where this config can come from. That doesn't mean that you need to sit down and write manually on this all this config yourself, right? So Very good. Uh, a lot of ways, a lot of ways to make this happen. And I'm not sure if it's the worst thing. It's just something to be aware of, right? But also this is just the way things have to be done because we need to be able to sell all those things at the image build time, right? So you need to right. give us all these things so that we can build your application properly. We need to be kind of aware of it ahead of time. So that's, that's right. the, that's the trade-off. I would, I would tell people don't use, don't, you should use a tracing agent. But don't use all of its config if you're using it with Spring Boot because Spring Boot creates new classes with different class names each time, right? So the tracing agent will capture dynamic classes that have like random names. Okay. And then the next run, then the, then the next time, it won't be the same class right. maybe. Right. You know? So some, and also even if it is the same, a lot of times it is the same exact name, even if it is the same, there's no point because Spring will compute it anyway. So you should find the things that are different, the delta, the difference between what spring right, computes right, right. and what you still don't have, you know? Uh, but yeah, I use the tracing agent all the time. I even put that in my video because that's a brilliant, amazing piece of technology, you know, like Very cool. it, it's <laughs> the first time I learned to use a debugger in the nineties. I was like, Oh, this is, uh, this is everything. This changes it now. Now it's the thing I can use with confidence because I know I can figure it out. Uh, and then same thing for this. When I found the Java chasing tracing agent, Yeah, I, that was the first time I thought, okay, I can take this to production because I don't fear it anymore, you know? Speaking of debugging, what about that? What's that situation look like for debugging native images? Uh, yeah, so in terms of debugging native images, there were some, I think, exciting news last year. So in 2022, uh, IntelliJ ID released, uh, how is it called, like early preview build with the debugging capabilities for native image. So I think this is pretty exciting. I don't know where they are now. So is this still early preview or is this more mature now? But I think this will be very exciting so that you can debug your native image applications in IntelliJ as well. Yeah. Awesome. Um, that is it, is there something in Visual Studio Code too? Uh, so, so there used to be some debugging oh, okay. implemented by our team. We have those VS Code extensions. So you could do some debugging there. 
But also we are working on it lately. So I would assume there will be more good news to share in upcoming releases. Nice. Oh, that's super cool. Um, yeah, the debugging story. So I think it's only on Linux at the moment. Is it, yeah. uh, so I'm pretty sure for the on Intel- Linux. For the intelligent one? So pretty sure it's mostly on Linux now. I would need to check for the rest, but like Linux for sure. And about the rest of the platforms, I'm not so sure. I mean, I know it'll come. I'm not worried. It's just, and already it's, it's like if you built it so that it only worked on Windows and people have to pay for that, you know, that that's not good. But everybody can spin up a free instance of a virtual machine and debug on Linux. That's easy, right? So uh, that's that's as good as being available to me on Mac and Windows for me because it's easy. And plus my app will run in Linux. So we all run <clears throat> on Linux as well, you know? Right. Um, but okay. since you mentioned so debugging, the... like on a slightly related yeah. topic, we also did a lot of work all in, in the area of monitoring in 2022. Oh, yeah. So there is JFR, there was JVM stat support added, I think, in the last release of the year, so 22.3. And also we are working on the JMAC support. And some of those are also community contributions, which again is very exciting. So that part is coming along very nicely as well. Go community. Um, what about Java agents? That is, uh, speaking of observability and all mm-hmm. that, a lot of people use Java agents. And at the moment, that doesn't quite work. And it's okay for a Spring developer, you know, we can just use Spring Boot actuator and the micrometer integration. So you can get all the integration you want for observability. But mm-hmm. I know a lot of people without, who, you know, using the old style of plugging in a Java agent, they might be temporarily disappointed. What's yeah. that still look like? Is it getting better? I, I, I haven't looked at that in a while, to be honest. I remember it was challenging at some point, but I haven't looked at it lately, so I wouldn't know. Okay, no big deal. I, like I said, for it's not a game changer because there are ways to solve the problem that don't use Java agents, at least for Springs. So, uh, yeah, uh, like people, I, want, I just want people to know, going, you know, eyes wide open when they go into GraalVM, what, what are the things they can expect to be disappointing? And uh, the config is potentially disappointing but it's not actually a problem for most cases the okay, java agents something to be something to be aware of right so maybe not disappointing but yeah. something to be aware of <laughs> well, well yeah because you'll, you might not i don't know yeah i think disappointing is fine but it's not actually a reason to be disappointed you'll see this and it's, and people will say oh this is so scary but what i'm trying to say is it's not scary because there's this right right uh so so same thing for the observability right you've got you don't have java agents at least that was the case before. Maybe it's changed. I don't know. Uh, but who cares? Because you have this, right? You have actuator and you have good solutions like micrometer. So um, what other traps or things do you think people need to know about before going to GraalVM? Okay. So do you mean native image specifically or do you mean Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah native images. Yeah, but also I, I get used to this because when people say GraalVM, they typically mean native image. Sorry. So yeah, I, I get used to this. Uh, yeah, native image. So things to be aware of. Uh, a, you need config, but as we talked about, there are ways to approach it, right? So this is not something you need to run manually. Uh, B, you have this necessary compute, like build step. So you need to have time yeah. and resources to do so. But again, uh, this is a bit of a trade-off. So this is something you would do anyway at your application start time, only we are moving it to the build step, right? So uh, right. you would need time and resources for the build step of it. 
uh, that is that. But also what's interesting, it also enables some interesting optimizations that are pretty much unavailable in the JIT mode, because since we have this kind of extra time and the freedom to spend a bit more time optimizing code, and also we have access to the resources, there are some additional optimizations that are available in the IoT mode. So this is... Uh, well, like this step is necessary. Uh, this can be seen as a disadvantage, right? That you need to spend time and resources building your app. But again, it gives you those benefits of uh, startup time. So this is just either you pay this price when you start your application or you do so at the build time. So this is one more thing to be aware of. So time and resources that you will spend building your app. Um, this awesome. is it. Yeah, and in terms of peak performance, uh, that's kind of an interesting question because I think everyone knows that JVM is really great in terms of peak throughput and being like dynamically executing code and having that profile information available is how JVM right. can really give you this best peak performance, right? Because it constantly observes your application behavior, it adapts on the go, and since it in executes code dynamically, it can compile or if necessary, de-optimize code and compile it again as it goes, right? So uh, again, this is uh, something to be aware of, but also this is something that as always we have solution for, and that solution is called profile guided optimizations. So if you can collect wait, wait, wait. the profile guided optimizations. Wait. Oh, so okay, yeah. PGO. So what you can do is you can collect profile information about your application while running on a JVM, feed it to native image when you're building your app, and then it will build an app kind of aware of those profiles and it will optimize for those specific scenarios and will build an application that is uh, perfectly suited for peak performance. So cool. That is so cool. Um, and that's all in the open source. What is the, I mean, there's so much uh, more. That is, the... That, that is the enterprise feature. So PGO, what I mentioned, that is an enterprise feature. Okay. That's all. That's one thing in the enterprise. I was going to say, there's a lot of really amazing things uh, in the enterprise version. What are, some of those things, like I think people should buy that for their production deployments. Certainly, you know, it's. It makes I a think lot of so sense. too. It's, I think so too. Thank yeah. you for saying that. <laughs> of so, course, yeah, please. I want you. I want you to make money so that we can keep using the open source, you know, uh, safely in development mode. Yeah. Uh, so what you get in open source is PGO. Uh, another thing that you get in open source is the G1 GC in native image. So if you want, oh, uh, the old one. So the, the one from of, J, the JRE. I wouldn't know which one. So G1GC, basically. G1, like G, G1. as one letter and then one. Okay, G yeah, yeah. And one. Oh, okay. I think, it, yeah. Okay, go, go on. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, for, like, it, it, it's a bit of a discussion topic, like, which GCs you should use for the best big performance. But what we see often is if you use PGO together with G1, you can achieve really good big performance. So if you want that on native image, this is probably the first option that you should try. Wow. I didn't even know that was possible. So you, you're saying instead of using the default, which I think is substrate. Serial GC. No, but I right, mean, Sasser VM is still in there, but you get like right. uh, options for GC that you can use in native image. I didn't even know that. That's amazing. That's phenomenal. Really amazing. Uh, this has been around for years, <laughs> I think. I'm not very smart, okay? You don't. <laughs> no, 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 but I know that like you're working this. with a lot of stuff involving with just one small piece, yeah. but yeah, you can, you can use Juwan GC in native image. Now, I, I, will, I will tell people. I always tell people, look, the the, the thoroughput for a GraalVM image is slightly less than on the JRE. 
but even there, it's not that big a difference, you know, and like if you, and it's so cheap to run now, they're so small compared to, uh, like I can run two native images and still take less RAM than one JRE app. And now I can handle twice the, the load of just one native image. So I can handle almost the same throughput or maybe even more, you know, uh, there are ways to get that. So that's amazing. So the fact that I could get the same throughput with just one instance of one app now, oh, fantastic. Amazing. Which Good actually stuff. reminds me, you're talking about memory, and I think uh, you talked about this at Davux Belgium. So I was in your session, and you were demoing a Spring native app, and you looked yep. at the process memory usage, and it was something like around, I think, 100 megabytes or something. Yep. And you told people, uh-huh. hey, if, you, if you've been, you know, deploying Java app with uh, one gig of memory, you could deploy 10 such apps for the same yes. memory usage. So I think it was a very nice point. Yeah, and it just... I don't know what people's RAM footprint is today, but I think a lot of us are using a gig or so, maybe even less. That's just a a nice number with a little bit of overhead in case of things going wrong. I, I always tell people about how in 2004, 2004, so almost uh, 20 years ago, right? It's 19 years ago. Almost, uh, yeah. In 2004. Yeah, yeah. I went into a data center uh, in 2004, early 2004, and I was plugging in serial cables into the computers in the rack that we were setting up there. Uh, and I just remember really, I was sitting there in the air-conditioned cold of the data center. And it was interesting. These applications were taking two gigs of RAM, right? Now, to be fair, some of the, these were application servers, right? We had more than one app deployed. Uh, but at the time, the feeling was, wouldn't it be great if we could have more than two gigs of RAM, right? Uh, because by that point in history, the computers, you could have more than two gigs of RAM on the same computer. And we wanted to make, we wanted these things to be as multi-tenant as possible. And sure. each JVM takes its own footprint. So having multiple JVMs, each taking two gigs, it works. But if you could just have one JVM and have four apps instead of just two or whatever, you know, that would be great, right? But anyway, we wanted more gigs of RAM. Imagine, if you can imagine, we were hoping for more. And the big problem we had was this was 32-bit computers back then, right? Now everything is 64-bit, right? But 32-bit, the JVM couldn't, clean up garbage fast enough, you know, uh, at 32 gigs, if you had more than two gigs of RAM. Uh, now you can do more, not much more, but you can do more. And the garbage collector won't cough, you know, uh, it's, it, it'll keep up. But now, why would you need that? Now the, op- the direction is in, is in the opposite direction. You know, the trend is towards the opposite direction, 100 megs, you know. And a lot of spring apps that I build are 50 megs. You know, if I do, like, a, if you build a Kubernetes controller, you know, I contributed Spring Boot, three AOT hints to the official Kubernetes Java client, right? Oh, wow. So now, yeah. So now you can build a Java controller, a, a Kubernetes controller using Spring Boot 3 and GraalVM. And it deploys, it takes like 50 megs of RAM. It's this tiny little binary. It takes nothing. And you can use the full power of the Java ecosystem to build these controllers. Why would you use Go? You know, like it, just use Java now. It makes so much sense. Before, you'd have to deploy the JRE and you'd have to deploy all that infrastructure, right? A half gig or more of RAM um, just to get a controller that manages other apps. Now it takes nothing. It's nothing, you know, so amazing what GraalVM has enabled, you know? Yeah, and since we're talking about resource usage, uh, I saw this very mm-hmm. interesting tweet today. I think you will like it too. Maybe we can link it in notes or something. Uh, so uh, somebody was uh, uh, measuring startup time of an application. I think it was a spread application compiled to native. 
And they were trying to restrain the environment in a way to give it less and less CPU. So they went from giving the app, like from giving it one core to 0.1 core and to see if the startup time, you know, will blow up because obviously it has less CPU and still it has needs to get some work done, right? But you, so you, you probably would expect, you know, to the startup time to go up at some point, but with the native image right. version of the screen app, it basically stayed a flat line like this. So even in this like crazy <laughs> environment with 0.1 core, it like barely goes slightly bit up in the very end, but it stays flat ah. because. You know, and that's what I was trying to say with all this build step, right? So we did all that at the build step, uh, build step. So you don't have to do it again when you're starting your app. And it was pretty fascinating. I mean, it was 0.1 core and that app still like started like this. It was a very interesting thing. We link it. Yeah. I love that. I love that a lot. That is so cool. That is so cool. We have a, a project called Spring Shell, which lets you build CLI applications, right? But it's not just like command line argument parsing. It's a full terminal, you know, you can, you get a prompt, you can hit tab, you get auto completion, you can do tables and, you know, interactive, uh, you know, conversational style applications, very, very smart terminal based application with read line and cursive support. Well, now very you can cool. build a Gravium, you can build a Gravium native image out of that, right? So you can build like, imagine the AWS CLI or the Amazon, or the Azure CLI or the Google Cloud CLI, whatever, you know, or anything. You can imagine any kind of infrastructure that has a terminal. You can build it with Spring Shell, Spring Boot, and GraalVM. And now you can yeah. ship a .NET, a .exe and a, and a native library for each operating system. No need to distribute the JRE for consumer-grade software, right? Like, oh, just, it just changes so many things, you know? Uh, okay, well, uh, before we wrap up here, are there, is there anything else you would recommend people be aware of that what what is coming what are some of the big things people should be on the lookout for if you can tell us if you can't that's fine we've already got so much to talk about but uh, yeah. is there any big thing okay two things so one is uh, uh i want to add that kind of tricky question that you asked me like about the downsides of native image so maybe not a downside yeah. but th- things to be aware of so if you want to start building your first native image app I do recommend that you start using one of the frameworks that work with 90 image because it will give you a lot of support out of the box. So obviously we can build a vanilla Java app with 90 image, but probably mm-hmm. the easiest way to go would be just to use one of the frameworks and that will give you help with all those things out of the box. So that is one thing. Mm-hmm. In terms of what is coming up, uh, so as always, developer experience working on that for 90 image, but also all of Grow VM keeping up that monitoring work and also optimizing performance for native image in all aspects. So peak throughput, working with MojiCs, that is coming up. And uh, another thing that is coming up is on the uh, JVM version of GraalVM, so in the JIT mode, but we are planning to add ZGC support on GraalVM on JIT, but I think this is still exciting news. So uh, that hopefully will land in upcoming release. So that is some good news. And I think it opens other opportunities. So I think it kind of will also help up to bring Shenandoah at some point. And also since this will be working on the JVM, I'm thinking maybe it will be available in native image at some point as well. So uh, yeah. there is that. But also as a nice open source project, we have a public roadmap on GitHub. So you can check it and see what is coming up and share feedback with us or see what features are coming next and who is working on that. So that is pretty exciting. And 
that you guys are, you, you all are announcing amazing things every day. It feels like, so you just gave us some big things, but I would definitely encourage people to check out medium.com for such VM. Yesterday, they just announced risk V uh, no, three days ago, risk. they announced risk support, risk five support. No, no, it right. was, it was, I think last week. Yeah. 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 January 16, the blog is January 16. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Either way. Amazing. Amazing. Like, uh, I didn't even know I wanted this, but you know, the, like the, the fact that I can build apps that are taking advantage of the risk architecture that take advantage of the M1 and Apple chips and are optimized for that, that take advantage of your Intel devices. I mean, an arm in general, just, yeah, you're changing the yeah. world. Um, there, there is so much going on because that's such a big project and uh, we have a pretty big team, but also we have an amazing community working with us. So yeah, as you're saying, we're constantly working on something new. Amazing. Where do people go? To, uh, well, first of all, are you on the internet? And if so, uh, I, I am on the internet. So, I am on the internet yeah, and, and I'm pretty much at every social media. So you can just find me by searching Alina Yurenko and you'll find me on every single social media, but also GrowVM is all on all the social media as well. So if you're one yeah. of the cool kids and you're on Mastodon, we are there as well, but also Twitter and every social network pretty much be everywhere. So that's A-L-I-N-A, N as in Nancy, A, space U, uh, sorry, Y-U-R-E-N-K. So Y-U-R-E-N-K-O, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just listening really carefully because it's 10 p.m. mine time and it's getting harder <laughs> for me to, you know, like listen to English. <laughs> I'm yeah, so you sorry. That right. So yeah, Alina Yurenko, oh. that's correct. Perfect. Um, uh, Master, good stuff too. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And I guess I'll see you very soon in Stockholm for JFocus. I can't wait. We should schedule another episode as soon as possible, of course, but also a year from now, just so we can see how much further the community has come uh, in just 12 months' time. You know? We should. But also, as we talked before the recording, right, I think there is uh, Spring 1 coming uh, coming next week, I think, right? So maybe we can afterwards talk spring about what was... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe we can talk about what's new and cool in GrowVM and Spring after that. I can't wait. All right. Thank you, you thank too. you, thank you. Thank you so much. A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the 
production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.